You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Illustrated, Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality, and Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. What a lovely, a pretty day, especially if you're outside, because it's a little chilly on the inside. Hey, it's Matt. The gang is here. Welcome to the program. Josh and Joe and Aiden are with us behind the scenes. We appreciate that very much. Lots of things to get into today on this Tuesday, January 24th. Um, the big news, well, we all knew it was coming. Now we're just waiting for what happens next. Bill O'Brien is going to the New England Patriots. I think we all knew that. Perhaps the Cardinals were involved here in maybe a head coaching job, but that didn't seem to ever really be in the car as far as I'm concerned. So anyway, he's going to OC the New England Patriots. It's, uh, it's a job he's uh, familiar with, and he'll be going up. And actually, he'll be coaching a guy he's coaching just a couple of years ago. And uh, that's in Mac. So Mac will be there. Mac's excited about it. And uh, we'll see what happens if that uplifts the Patriots because they pretty much had what you don't call in New England an average year. They did. But we'll see how it goes. Now, the the next deal is who will Nick Saban select as his OC? By the way, he still has the duty of firing, finding a, a DC. But uh, all kinds of names are being thrown out there. Um some of the more interesting, I just picked five out here. Uh, Dan Mullen. Hmm. Uh, my quick take on that is um, how long would he take that job before he does exactly what Bill O'Brien did? Uh, and that's take a, another job somewhere. So not sure if Mullen would be the guy. And then again, sometimes, not always under Saban, it is more difficult to kind of have a coach that's a coordinator that used to be a head coach. And in this case two different places in the Southeastern Conference and very, very successful as well. I'm still, I still remain a little bit confused on why Florida showed him the door. I, I guess there were, there were a number of reasons, but anyway, uh, Jason Garrett. Now that one I read on AL.com this morning and I went, really? Are y'all going really? Um, don't, don't really know at this point whether that's a serious one or if, it's just, you know, it's just part of the article. Um, how about Joe Brady? Certainly had his success with Joe Burrow at LSU. Um, and he is now, he was the OC with Matt Rule at the Panthers. He got fired. He spent this season with the Bills, reportedly interviewed with the New York Jets offensive coordinator position. So, uh, let's see who else. Cliff Clingsbury. Uh, you know, he has a remarkable success story at quarterback, uh, one of which was um, Johnny Manziel. Um, so, I did something about Nick Saban and Cliff Clingsbury as far as personalities, I just don't see it matching. And um, here's one that I think some Alabama fans would be delighted with. 
Others, not so sure. Me, I'm just rolling it out there. I've always liked the guy, Freddie Kitchens. How about that one? All right, other things we're going to discuss on the uh, show today. Alabama, the NFL draft will follow Super Bowl and so forth. Um, who will end up going? They're now saying, you know, these early predictions that Alabama will have one, two, three players taken in the top ten. Uh, that's a topic. San Francisco at Philadelphia in the NFL. Cincinnati at Kansas City. Uh, that's the NFL. Uh, a very, very testy Tom Brady in a podcast with Jim Gray. I'm going to play that for you here in just a little while. Uh, Stetson Bennett was awarded the Manning, the Manning Trophy. Quarterbacks. Uh, that's very fitting uh, based on what we all know and watch with the Mannings. Uh, a couple other things we'll talk about with uh, we got the Andy and Andy show. Um, Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, will talk some basketball with us. And uh, then that's at 1 o'clock. Then at 1.30, Andrew Bone, who uh, will be talking a lot of recruiting. And, of course, uh, he's on top of things in Tuscaloosa around campus. And um, Andrew can probably give us a thought or two as uh, to what's going on with uh, the searches for coaches. So that being said, uh, what's up with Josh? How are you today, man? Josh, as hey, in. We're doing great on this side. And when you were talking about different OSC possibilities, what if we were looking within, two at Robert Gillespie? Well, he's on the staff now, right? Yes, sir. I believe as running back coach, if the way they're recruiting right now, they're potentially setting that up for next season that really not have that be the main gun of the offense, but get a little bit back to that smash mouth, he'd be one of those main guys. Yeah, and that was the one I brought up uh, maybe on Twitter as opposed to on air, but somebody had mentioned Greg Roman who's uh, been an offensive coordinator with the Baltimore Ravens and recently just stepped down. But got a text from a buddy of mine who um, was in television radio up in the Baltimore area for years and years and years. He was in Birmingham, a guy named Bruce Cunningham. Uh, many of you may remember him. And he said, the guy likes to run the ball, run the ball, and run the ball. So is Alabama going to go back 12 years? Um, I, I mean, I, Lamar, he could pass it too. So yeah, someone that knows how to set up offense through running, for the passing game. Uh, let me list you a, a few of the others that were in this particular article. Let me give it due credit. Of course, it's Mike Rodak, who was on the show yesterday. Um, but he did point out a couple of things. This will mark the fifth time in the last seven years, five out of seven, that Alabama has had to search for a new OC. Um, let's see. Three of the previous hires, and I'm reading directly from his article, Three of the previous hires in that span came from the NFL. Brian Dayball, Steve Sarkeesian, and O'Brien here from this year. Uh, Jeff Levy, uh, Oklahoma Sooners offensive coordinator, uh, has spent some time under Lane Kiffin and Josh Heupel. Okay. Uh, we mentioned Joe Brady, Shea Tierney, New York Giants. He was an Alabama analyst. Just a few years ago, um, and behind the scenes, uh, very instrumental in the development of Josh Allen. All all these guys have good credentials. Okay, it's just dependent on who say Saban feels is the best fit, and, and also, I don't know about you guys, but guys and gals, I get the feeling that 
based mainly on some of the offensive linemen that uh, Saban has signed, that they may, with the departure of Bryce, be headed more towards a little bit of pounding. You know? At least when you're – I mean, we have some quarterbacks that have been developed, but only, let's say, with Milro, have short games or only have a few short halves. So when you're setting up the run game, you're able to develop the quarterback through the main season. Or even if you're bringing someone else new in, developing someone whose first three to four games also in the late season opens up your offense and you get to hide some gems. Uh, let's bring in Aiden from Tide 100.9 and get his thoughts here. Aiden, um, I don't know. Have you got a handful of guys that you'd like to see with the headsets on calling plays for Alabama? Or are you just going to wait for Nick? No, actually, I did. I did write about this, Matt. Um, if you if you Google uh, Bill O'Brien replacement, my my article on Tide 109 will come up. Um, my top five candidates to replace Bill O'Brien. Um, now, two of those guys have already been hired in um, Garrett Riley and Kendall Bryles. But uh, one I really like, and I, I, I might have missed it if you guys mentioned him already, is Casey Woods at SMU. He's done an incredible job with uh, the Mustang program over the last couple of seasons. Uh, this year they were putting up like 40.2 points per game and 480 yards per game at some points, um, 2,900 passing yards per game. Yeah, they, they were doing a lot. Now, he's playing inferior competition, sure, but you know he's also working with inferior offensive pieces compared to what he'd have at Alabama. Uh, so he's somebody I really like to maybe take over the position. And um, like you guys mentioned, Joe Brady, um, you know, when he, when he was coordinating the passing attack in LSU in 2019, there there was nothing anybody could do to stop that offense. You're so right. And but the only problem with Joe Brady is he doesn't like to recruit. You know, he doesn't like to recruit, and that's I I think that makes him persona non grata than Nick Saban. Other than that, uh, my best idea is probably Frank Reich former head coach of the Indianapolis Colts who orchestrated a hell of an offense there in Philadelphia during that 2017 Super Bowl run that saw both his – both he, saw, he made Carson Wentz look like an MVP and then coached Nick Foles to a Super Bowl. And what have those guys done outside of his system since then? Frank Wright. I always liked him back to his playing days. But um... – while you were talking about it, because I'm I'm not very familiar with Casey Woods, and you are obviously, but so I googled him and um, says here he was um, on the Bachelor. Um, actually, there's a Casey Woods that was on the Bachelor, but the football coach. I wanted to get a little bit more of his background. Um, I'm pretty sure that although who was the uh, former Vandy quarterback that went on the ba- Bachelor? He's on television now. That was help uh, me, help Jordan me. Rogers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, well, here's Casey Woods, by the way. This is interesting. Was born in Starkville, Mississippi. He is young, 39. Played wide receiver at Tennessee. Um, his coaching career includes GA at Tennessee. Um, he, was, uh, he was at Auburn, Arkansas State. Um, then back to Auburn. Now, I should have known this. This guy was at UAB. Did, were you aware of that, Aiden? I didn't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to be honest with you. I was not, but that makes me like him even more. Oh, and even better, he fits he the wants Auburn to pedigree. He coached at Arkansas State. Well, he's an SEC guy. I mean, that's all over his resume. 
Well, uh, that's a good one to bring up, Casey. I appreciate it. Um, there are a few more that we will discuss. Also, what do you folks think? Give us a call at 205-342-9904, 205-342-9904. And that includes you folks that are driving around in Tuscaloosa, where Aiden is, Birmingham, where Josh and I are, and then over in the Aniston-Gadston area, listening on 97.5, you can all join the show, Big Noon Sports, at 205-342-9904. And again, coming up later on the show, as we go to break, we'll talk with Andy Burcham. Hadn't caught up with him since, um, you know, the hiring, um, since uh, Auburn had their head coaching situation and ended up hiring Hugh Freeze. So, but also really wanted to bring him on basketball. You know, Auburn is uh, at the top of the charts. Well, the Alabama, Tennessee, and then Auburn uh, in the SEC. And they're going to be playing at home tomorrow night against Texas A&M, who under buzz is not bad either. Let's take it a break on Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Hear ye, hear ye. Thanks for coming to the town square. First, I'd like to tell you about Steve. He's a plumber. I hear he does good work. Also, Tim. After midnight, winds could gust as high as 40 miles per hour at times. Tomorrow, rain ending early in the day, the high at 56. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 51 degrees in Tuscaloosa. On Big Noon Sports, Lars, Christian, Matt, Joe, Aiden, Josh. The gang is here, and we're talking about Alabama football and where the uh, what direction of the, is the Crimson Tide Nick Saban going to take as far as their next offensive coordinator. Um, Christian Miller, I know you're on the defensive side, but certainly you keep up with all of this. Um, it is difficult to keep up with when the list seems to be 10, 12, and getting longer. But everybody knows that you have your thumb on the pulse of Alabama football. Why don't you just go ahead and, and break all the ties and just tell, who, tell us who it's going to be. <laughs> I love your sarcasm. I have no clue. <laughs> I don't hardly know anything about a lot of these offensive coaches, if I'm being honest with you. Um, so I, I'm the last person to ask when it comes to this. Um, defensively, you know, I feel like I, I, I can help. Uh, offer some better answers but offensively I, I don't know where to start but I will say I know um, it's going to be a lengthy process I think uh, coach Saban's going to take his time and choose the right person for the job that fits um, that fits the best uh, within the program and in terms of you know the, the direction they wanted to go with the offense you know how well can this guy recruit and um, how he can um, coexist you know with the, with the other coaches so um, I don't I don't doubt them for a second um, I think they're they're going to make a a fine choice, but who it's going to be, I have no clue, Matt. <laughs> well, you know what? Neither do I. <laughs> but uh, just let's let's speak of coaches and coordinators and so forth. And 
um, be on the defensive side because that's where you were with the coaches. Um, on a level of 1 to 10, with 10 being the highest, how good do these guys need to recruit? Oh, I think that's a, a large factor in this. You know, in college football, um, the need to recruit um, is, 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 is exponential. You know, you have to be able to bring guys into the program. You have to have guys um, who can help uh, make your program what you want it to be. Um, and, and that starts with recruiting. That starts with going on the road and finding these guys. It starts with scouting these guys, bringing them into camps, um, getting a good look at them, but ultimately making them decide to come play for your university. So um, the ability to recruit is going to be um, a huge factor in whoever they end up hiring. I've forgotten, even though I've asked about 10 times, who was the position coach that, or the coach that uh, recruited you when you were in South Carolina? Uh, originally was um, Chris Rump, then Kirby Smart, then, um, gosh, I can't think, uh, Kevin Steele. Um, so I had several uh, several coaches that recruited me, but initially it was uh, uh, Chris Rump, who was a defensive line coach, then he had ended up leaving, and then Kirby Smart and uh, Kevin Steele uh, took over my recruitment. Uh, I wonder if Kevin Steele's in the mix. I heard his name mentioned as far as defensive coordinator, but the one name that uh, everybody seems to keep coming around to is Jeremy Pruitt. Do you, you think his baggage with the NCAA at Tennessee is too much for Alabama to bring him in yet? Uh, I don't know, Matt. Again, I, that'd be a question for you know the, the athletic director, Greg Byrne, or, or the board. Um, those type of people um, that are involved in that decision-making, I think, would, would better be able to answer that question because I, I myself don't um, quite understand what type of you know constraints uh, would be put into place, what limitations would be put into place on um, Jeremy Pruitt, if any, if he were to be hired. I know we saw Hugh Freeze get hired on at, at for you know the head coaching position at Auburn um, after he had dealt with some sanctions and, and some issues and some violations. So, um, I mean, is it possible to hire him? I think you definitely can hire him. It's just, you know, what, what comes with that, if anything. Um, you know, I just, in the back of my head, though, also know, you know, Bo Davis, the, the defensive line coach uh, that was here formerly, you know, he, I think, you know, violated some, it was like a impermissible contact or, you know, contacting someone during a dead period, you know, pretty minor yeah. offense in my opinion. And uh, he still has, has yet to return. Um, I know there would have been some limitations. I believe they hired him. Um, and that was for a minor um, infraction. So I, I, I don't know. Um, but I do know um, that is something to, uh, to consider uh, because we just mentioned how um, critical recruiting is. And if it's one of those things where your defensive coordinator is um, unavailable for recruiting, at least off campus, um, he's inhibited from, you know, going out and hitting the road and visiting guys and um, really, you know, making those connections with them. I think that could be um, a hindrance to your recruiting. But again, I, it's just it's, there's a lot of uh, questions that I feel like would need answers before they make that decision. But in terms of him as a football coach, I'm all for him. I'm, I'm a huge proponent for Jeremy Pruitt. You know, I love his coaching style. He's very you know, passionate and he coaches a, a lot of, uh, you know, physicality and aggression on, on the defensive fronts. Um, you know, he's all about making things just simple, mono we mono line up and whooping somebody in front of you. And um, he makes it fun. And uh, he's very pers personable, very much a player's coach. Um, so I would love to see him back, um, even if it's in, 
some type of role, even if it's not the defensive coordinator position, I think it'd be a great hire if he could be involved. I mean, even as small as a, an analyst role, I think he would be a huge addition. Um, so I'd love to see him back. I, I think that the hire they just made um, with the, the Southern Miss defensive coordinator, I hear a lot of good things about him. Very smart, innovative guy. I feel like he's very um, a very good fit for the program, guy they can bring in and allow to, to really develop as a coach and learn from Coach Saban and his defensive philosophies and just let him grow in the program. So I think that was already a good move. So, yeah, I, I think we'll see something soon, but I know they will take their time. I mean, right now we have zero coordinators. Um, that, so that's probably something that needs to be addressed. But, again, they're, they're, it's going to be a lengthy process. They're going to do everything they need to do to, to interview guys, to, to let the process play out and make sure they get the right people for the for the right positions. You mentioned Bo Davis, uh, and I've gotten the impression that in our many conversations that you're a Bo guy too. Um, isn't he the guy that kind of coaches the dog that you saw a little lacking this year? Absolutely. Um, you know, Bo Davis is like a drill sergeant, you know, the way he gets on guys. I mean, he doesn't care, you know, who you are, you know, you know, young, old, um, top recruit, walk on. I mean, he he talks to everybody the same. Um, he's all about his business. And, and, I mean, just those pregame speeches, you know, that he used to have in the locker rooms firing his defense lineup. I mean, he had those guys, uh, you know, playing with their heads on fire. And uh, I'm sure if you go ask guys like, you know, Jonathan Allen, Jaron Reed, uh, you know, Deron Payne, you just ask anybody about Bo Davis, um, and they're going to tell you he's a huge influence on them the way they played. Um, because he, he was a, he was a tone setter, and he demanded respect, and he got the best out of his defense alignment, and he made sure they played with that dog mentality. So uh, I'm, I'm a big advocate for him as well. Um, but, again, I, I just I feel like they would have tried to bring him back if they could. It's just there probably was, you know, something in the way of, of that. So um, that, that's that's the unfortunate thing. Um, but, you know, definitely you know, between him and Jeremy Pruitt, two great coaches who really, who really enforced that dog mentality and uh, really get the best out of their players. You know, it brings to mind a very rhetorical question, and uh, I've, we've seen it in basketball with Bruce Pearl, uh, with Hugh Freeze. Um, what is the limitation? I mean, what? How does it matter how severe the act was? Uh, does it matter how long you stay away? Um, it, it's quite intriguing because uh, both Auburn basketball and football coaches seem to stay away a certain amount of time, mm -hmm. and then it's like everybody said, okay, it's all right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You can come back and coach again. Yeah, I don't know if it's a case-by-case -case thing. I'm sure it, it pretty much is a case-by-case, -case, but um, I, I don't know what the rules and stipulations are regarding, um, you know, the time served or, or, or what accounts, um, you know, are forgivable. or You know, it's yeah, – we. I wish we had an NCAA – uh, rep that could come on and kind of explain in great in greater detail kind of break that down for us because I think that'd be very helpful because I don't think anybody really understands um, how they decide these things Christian do you ever eat at Outback Steakhouses? Yes uh, there's there's a very unlikely we're just going to talk about Outback Steakhouses and Alabama football I'll just leave it at that and we'll get right back with you From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. By now, you know that sound. It's the sound of the Home Depot. 
But what about those sounds? Those are the sounds of an LG wash tower with ultra large. on Big Noon Sports. Appreciate you folks dialing us in, and you can do that via the telephone as well at 205-342-9904. Tell us your thoughts on OC and DC hires at the University of Alabama. Just running through some interesting stories. You know, it's that kind of the year, Christian. Do you know or did you know at all James Burnham, the Alabama punter? Did you ever hang around, be around him? Um, I think I've heard of him. I know of him. He's a punter now, right? <laughs> yeah, he's from Australia. I didn't know this. He's six six. I didn't know he was quite that tall. Anyway, really just a funny light read for about five minutes. Go to AL.com, read Mike Rodak, who again was on the show with us yesterday. Even though he's from Australia, he's never been to an Outback Steakhouse, and I just kind of thought that was funny. When asked about it, he said, well, I'm waiting for somebody to take me. Now, first of all, I, I minored in marketing. I know a little bit about it. Enough to tell you that if he doesn't have an Outback Steakhouse NIL deal, what the heck is wrong with Outback Steakhouse? Right. But just throwing that out there, uh, you know, that would be like not using Christian Miller to endorse watermelons out of Pageland or <laughs> oh, or some of those tomatoes that you grow over there next to the Atlantic or uh, in South Carolina That's are right. outstanding. But uh, I just I just thought that uh, especially after Mike Rodak has teed it up, but just to continue the conversations literally maybe for another minute on this, and I'll go back to OCDC here. But um, you said you go there often. I don't. Um, is it, it's pretty good. I guess a lot of, they're still open. Yeah. Well, I don't go there often. I'll be honest. I've, I've eaten there just probably a handful of times, but I've had it before. And it's, it's been pretty good. Uh, do you have a go-to steak place? My grill. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> if I'm being honest with you, I love do the you? grill. Yeah, I, I, I hardly, I honestly don't even eat out often. I mean, you, I mean, you, you've seen me, I bring meal preps oh, everywhere. Yeah. I cook all the time. Um, so how do you eat your steak? Yeah, about between medium rare and medium, right in between. Yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, well, you got a few houses over there in Tuscaloosa and Lord knows we've got enough in Birmingham. So anyway, uh, enough of that. I thought I would go to, on to a couple other topics. Um, also an article that I saw earlier today, it was on a national piece, maybe an ESPN that, um, Alabama may have three top ten NFL draft picks out of this roster. Um, I think we all know who one and two are, and they may go in that order with Bryce Young and Will Anderson Jr. Mm -hmm. But what I wanted to ask you about, since he's on somebody, uh, I can't tell, was that Big Dave, our program director, just brought in a hand. What is that? That's, that's, he just brought in a stake from Publix. Why don't you put that on the grill? Top sirloin no wing got just a minute ago. I'm going to cook it tonight. 
Will you eat that entire deal? <laughs> that's a big steak. Well, now that's ironic. The program director ended up with a steak in his hand moments after we are talking about Outback. Okay. <laughs> The third player that in this particular survey, uh, prognostication, would be Brian Branch. And they said he may go 10th overall. Uh, going, i got several questions to ask you about Brian Branch. Uh, first, how much did he raise his stock in the last four or five games of the season? Oh, immensely. You know, if you, if you watch Branch play, man, he, he's so versatile um, as a DB and uh, I say that because the guy can cover guys. He's a great tackler. He's a tackling machine. He can play down in the box, uh, provide run support. But I really love his ability as a blitzer. You know, you watch him. He is so effective as a blitzer. You can bring him on pressures, run him in your simulators. You can, you know, again, drop him into coverage. Um, he, he's, he's a physical guy. He kind of can do it all. And I think he really showed uh, his ability to do that in the last several games. And I think that's what really skyrocketed his draft stock. And I believe um, he probably will be the number one safety taken in the NFL draft. This probably shows more than anything my ignorance in judging talent. But going into the season, I would have thought Jordan Battle would have been the guy. Uh, was Am I terribly off base in that? No, and I think, you know, the, again, that's kind of how football works, right? You know, um, you can project guys and, and, and try to project you know, how they're going to play during the season. But until the games, you know, are, are here and, and we're seeing guys in live action and, and really let things play out, you just never know. And uh, that's not taking anything away from battle. I think um, he's a tremendous player as well, and he's going to have a, a great future ahead of him in the NFL as well. Um, but it just goes to show that some guys, um, they, they might not get the same hype as other guys, um, they're kind of under the radar, but then they go out there and they do it on a consistent basis, and then they finally are recognized and people understand, okay, hey, maybe we should be talking about this guy a little bit more. Um, hey, Aiden, just turn your mic up at Tide and go ahead and ask Christian uh, the question you just sent me. Well, I'm just curious, Christian. You know, We've seen over the last few seasons when uh, Landon Collins was working with Ron Rivera in Washington, he kind of morphed into this hybrid linebacker strong safety role um, playing a lot more in the box than you would expect an average safety to. Do you kind of see Brian Branch taking on the same role, or do you think him think you see him being more of a true coverage safety when he goes to the league? Uh, it, it, definitely not the Landon Collins role because Landon's a little bit bigger. Landon's probably two hundred and twenty pounds, um, so he can play in the box on a consistent basis just because of his size. If you look at a guy like Mark Barron, he did a very similar role with the Rams. Um, those guys are bigger. Uh, Branch is probably. You know, just shy of six foot. He's very he's six foot ish, um, and I don't know. He's listed at like one ninety five, I believe. So he's a little lighter. So I think he sees more of a traditional safety role. Um, uh, but but again, he's just so versatile that he can really just move around, um, and he can play in the box. I just wouldn't say say as much as you see like Landon Collins or Mark uh, Mark Barron. But um, again, you know he he's got he's got a really good football iq as well if, if you talk to him the guy knows his, his ball he's, he's a smart guy um so i think he's going to have a, a a lot of success in the nfl great question i just off the wall off the top of my head how many players you were with at alabama just off the top of your head again how many uh are in the nfl guys you played with too, right now too many too many i mean we could probably Aiden or Josh can probably pull it up real quick. I mean, uh, honestly, at this point, however many guys are in the league, I probably played with all of them. The only 
guys I probably did not play with. I know CJ Mosley I didn't play with. He left the year before I got there. Um, anybody um, prior to 2014 who's still in the NFL, which is probably only you know just a handful of guys, um, I wouldn't have played with. But, uh, man, the majority of these guys that you see, I played with most of them. And that was, that's the impressive thing, you know, seeing these guys on Sunday um, go out there and, and do what they're doing. You know, I, I've been able to, to, to go against these guys and practice and really see them uh, grow and develop and, and how everything had transpired. And it's, it's truly um, remarkable seeing these guys get these, you know, big contracts because they're so deserving. Because I remember seeing guys come in the program and, and just work their tails off to get to this point. And now they're finally in a position where, you know, they're living their dream and um, they're really cashing in on it. You know, it's, it's truly special to see. Uh, I bet it is because, for goodness sakes, it doesn't matter what team you're watching Sunday afternoons. You're going to see, um, it's like um, uh, the Eagles. Landon Dickerson's at left guard, right? Yeah, and I'm pretty sure he was a um, pro and, bowler or all pro this year. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you and Jalen Hurts, Devontae Smith, you know, that whole team, <laughs> I feel like it's filled with Alabama, and, and that's just one team, you know, and you, you can go – throughout all 32 teams and find a plethora of Alabama players on each, on each roster. Um, yeah. They, don't they consider the Philadelphia line, maybe the best in all the NFL? Absolutely. Those guys are talented, man. And I'm just so critical and it just goes to show that's why you invest in the offensive line. A lot of these organizations, they, they think, Oh, we'll go get a receiver. Oh, we'll get a quarterback. But I don't think they, they truly understand Matt. Everything begins up front. And it's, it's imperative that you have a dominant offensive line that can protect your quarterback and get moving up front to run the football um, because that's that's where the game is won. And uh, anybody would tell you that. It's not just because I'm a you know a defensive guy and I played on on the defensive line, but I'm telling you, you got to invest in your line because you'll see these teams, they go get a quarterback, they get these skill guys, but they don't have the protection. They don't have the movement up front. So they can't run the ball. They can't protect their quarterback. And they're just wasting the skill set of these guys. That's why the Eagles um, are a very well put together team. You know, they have the skill players, they have the quarterback, and they have an impressive offensive line and defensive line, and that's why you're seeing the success that they're having. Who out of all the uh, offensive linemen that you uh, went up against in practice, was there was there one of them that kind of gave you more problems than another? Man, there. I mean, there's a few. You know, Jedrick Wills was a very physical guy and always – um, you know, it was a great pass setter. You know, he did a really good job using his hands, did, um, you know, a lot of techniques like, you know, swatting arms down. If you try to go in for a long arm, he always would, uh, you know, look to, to swat your arm down, kind of counter your moves. Um, so guys like him, you know, uh, Lester Cotton, big, strong, physical guy, uh, man, you know, same thing. You know, he uh, is real physical and real nasty guy, but, you know, good with his feet. You know, there's, there's a number of guys, man. I mean, I Cam Robinson, uh, arguably the best left tackle I ever went went against. You know, had all the the measurements. You know, he's like six seven, uh, outstanding footwork, long arms, uh, very confident. You know, so so many guys, man. Uh, but yeah, Cam Robinson, I'd probably say the best tackle I went against. That's Christian Miller, former Alabama edge wrestler, rusher, along with Matt Coulter. And uh, we're just talking football. We're going to talk on the phones. We'll go to 205-342-9904 on the other side of this break. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. 
If you need insurance, like a good neighbor, State Farm agent Derek Daniel is there with auto, homeowners, and life insurance throughout the Tuscaloosa area, including Northport, Cottondale, Brookwood, and Tide 100.9 app. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partially sunny this afternoon, the high today 55, becoming very windy tonight. Cloudy rain moving in after midnight. Winds could gust as high as 40 miles per hour at times. Tomorrow, rain ending early in the day, the high at 56. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 53 degrees in Tuscaloosa. At one, we're sitting and thinking of all the beautiful things he could have become. Instead of a lyrical, lyrical, and I'm a most appreciative one. Because I'm in a world of my own, and I'm into it, I don't want anything else. And nothing can bother me when I'm inside of it, because I'm inside of myself. Midnight Marauders spinning on my stereo. Mr. Desmond Deck, I got a crown made of gold. The kids are all right. Oh, what, oh, what I hear. Back on Big Noon Sports. Appreciate all of you dialing us in. Christy Miller, Matt Coulter, taking a day off. Um... Talking a lot about Alabama offensive defensive coordinators, but also, you know, the sky's kind of limit when it comes into calling in and bringing up your own topic. And Steve is doing just that at 205 342 9904. Good afternoon, Steve. Matt, Christian, how you guys doing? Doing well, Steve. How are you? Fantastic. The, 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 the new edition of Excellence in Broadcasting from Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the late great man. Listen, I'm talk. I'm going to talk about something that I have absolutely no idea about. Um, <clears throat> the NFL. Let me start by saying this: the NFL could not have wound up with a better divisional, or um, I'm sorry, championship division championship matchups if they had tried. I was watching uh, Sunday. Yeah, San Francisco. Who's the coach of Kansas City? But uh, Buddy Ryan Reed. No, yeah, Reed. I'm sorry. Like yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that right. shows my age. That's, that shows my age too. You know, <clears throat> but but you got about the four of the best teams in there now, which means you've got some good coaches. Now, <clears throat> I was listening to the the, the guy. Uh, I forget now who was on the call for San Francisco game there evidently is a, a pro bowler on every fat in every facet of that team's organization defense offense and special team somebody's going to have to start taking kyle shanahan for serious and as far as replacing uh, again i'm this way out of my league but i think we should start looking at some of the some of the people that fall off that have fallen off the kyle shanahan tree you know, I know pro guys don't like to come down to college, but it's not a – there's no – I mean, you know, Bill O'Brien did it. But that Kyle Shanahan's a pretty dang good coach. <clears throat> you see where I'm going with this? I, I, I do. And you just look at the San Francisco 49ers organization. I mean, they're basically winning all these games with a third-string quarterback. Now, you better well, know the offensive coordinator's got something to do with that. His absolutely. system must work with uh, if it's Garoppolo or Purdy. Um, and also the Shanahan name's been in the NFL as offensive great play callers for what? Uh, how far we got to go back, Steve? Yeah. Oh, back I know. to what? Well, I know. Uh, uh, to Mike Shanahan. Mike Shanahan. Yeah, with Denver. Uh, he, didn't he, did he win a Super Bowl with Denver? Did he, has he, did he ever win a Super Bowl? I I no, I thought he won one. 
Uh, he may he yeah. may have. I, I think he did at Denver. I don't remember if he was anywhere else or not. He may have been at Washington for a little while. But anyway, uh, you know, <clears throat> I know that you talk about the pipelines. We've had players go to say New England, to New England. Getting coaches to come from the NFL to college is, is maybe a more taller task, but it's certainly doable. <clears throat> and I just like that coach. I mean, the defenses and aren't they the but more like one or two in the NFL? They got that. That's a well, good good organization to, to choose from. I know it's not that easy. Well, like Christian, it's, that's where Christian, that's where D'Amico Ryan's comes in, right? Yeah, you got, well, yeah. exactly. Yeah, you know, uh, it's just a matter of getting these guys from the pro level to the college level. I mean, there's there's a large um, gap between, you know, being an NFL coach and a college coach. In, in the NFL, you're not required to recruit. Um, you know, you have a lot more free time in the off seasons. Um, so some guys prefer that. They, they, they'd rather not have to recruit. They, they'd rather have a little more time off um, when it comes to the off season, um, like the NFL um, you know, permits those guys to do versus college. I mean, it's pretty much year round. I mean, the only free time these coaches get is sometime around the summertime before training camp starts. They'll kind of rotate in and out. Um, some coaches will get, you know, a week or two vacation and other coaches will be in the office and they'll kind of swap in and out. Um, so it's just a matter of if, if one of those guys are interested in, um, you know, jumping down to the college ranks. But uh, I'm, I'm with you. I think Kyle Shanahan does a phenomenal job and, um, we see that with his, his organization and, um, I think a guy like D'Amico Ryans would be a home run hire, but uh, the, the 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 truth of the matter is he's interviewing for head coaching positions in the NFL oh, right yeah. now. So I I yeah. think that's you know not very realistic. But I mean, if you could get somebody that that comes from that tree, I'm sure um, it would be a good hire. But um, again, at the end of the day, you know, Coach Saban is not new to this. Uh, you know, he's he's been replacing coordinators for years at this point, and it's almost. Um, just a common theme. So I'm, I don't think he enjoys doing it, but uh, I think he's very used to the, the process. So um, knowing him, he's going to go out there and find the right person for the job that fits um, what they want to do and what they they want to accomplish. Um, and he's had success with everybody he's brought in pretty much. If, if I'm not mistaken, pretty much all these coordinators that he, he brings in, they've all contributed to at least one championship. Um, yeah, well, yeah. You, know, you know, I'm probably not accurate on those stats, but it, in my head, the people I'm thinking of, all the coordinators that were there when I was there, won a championship. I'm thinking of, you know, Pete Golding when he was there, won a championship. You know, Bill O'Brien contributed to a championship. Dabble, yeah. <laughs> championship. You know, I mean, everybody I think of pretty much won. So um, I just trust in their process, and uh, I think they'll get the right person for the job. It is. That, that's that got to be the hardest job in in the country, is being a college head coach, college football head coach. And maintain the success that say Saban has, or maybe even Kirby Smart. Now I don't know, but to think about what they have to go through to, to field a good coaching staff, to field a good team, especially now with all the new things coming in, that's I don't know how to do it. I really don't. Yeah, it, it might, it it's might tireless. Hurt. It's it's four a.m. until eight p.m. You know, yeah, eight days a week. Yeah, that's that's how they do it, and and. Christian makes a very good point. It's not quite like that in the National Football League. No. Right. In fact, yeah. if you're not one of the four teams remaining right now, you're at, uh, I don't you're know. You're in Cabo Leo right now. <laughs> yeah, you're in Cabo. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not recruiting players. You're not, you're not talking to high schoolers, man. You're, you're on the beach in Mexico right now. <laughs> oh, man. Well, listen, I sure, hey, as uh, always, appreciate you taking my time, guys. Thank Love you. your show. Yes, sir. Thanks for calling, Steve.
Um, coming up in just a few minutes, we'll be joined by Andy Burcham, the voice of the Auburn Tigers basketball. We're going to lean our focus uh, in the direction of this year's edition of Bruce Pearl's Tigers. And then also, uh, at the bottom of the hour, we'll be talking uh, with Andrew Boone. So we'll talk some Alabama recruiting and football. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. There's Christian, there's Matt, it's Joe, Josh, and Aiden. Appreciate you dialing us in this afternoon. championship team covering a national championship team the best sports talk in the state tide 100.9 and streaming on the tide 100.9 app has the pandemic affected your business? Even with more and more customers going online in the past five years, online business has grown greatly due to the pandemic. Now more than ever, it's important to C2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa, Tide 100.9, and screaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Hey, back on Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter, along with uh, with Christian Miller and our cast of characters behind the scenes once again. Um, everything to get Andy Burcham on, but just to tell you exactly what is going on behind the curtain, I just forgot to give everybody the number. Sorry about that. I just texted to you. You can call Andy now. He's a patient guy. He'll be all right. Christian, I'm going to ask you a question because I wanted to bring it up maybe a little bit later in the show, and I apologize for not knowing but I was just looking at a list of uh, eight players from the University of Alabama that will be playing in the Senior Bowl. Did you play? Sorry, I don't know. Uh, I was um, yeah, well, yes and no. So I, I I was supposed to play in the game, but I tore my hamstring against Oklahoma. That's right. So I couldn't participate in the actual game or the physical activities. However, I was down at the senior bowl. Um, Jim Nagy, uh, who runs the senior bowl is man. He's phenomenal. Um, he does such a great job running the senior bowl every year. And, and, and he makes it such a great experience to go out there and do community work as well. Um, but I was able to go down there and still participate in those activities and also meet with, um, all the scouts and coaches that were down there. I tell you what, um, it's the best way to evaluate talent going from college to the NFL. It is also a target-rich environment for members of the media because you have access like you, you'll you never get uh, again. 
And there are so many wonderful stories. One of the stories we're going to talk about right now, some Auburn hoops. Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn basketball and football team, is going to join us. Hey, Andy, it's Matt and the gang and Christian Miller. How are things down on the loveliest village? It's a beautiful, sunny, cool afternoon. Getting ready for a big one here tomorrow night against Texas A&M. Matt, Christian, how are you today? Doing well. Oh, man. Same way, just uh, a couple hours north of you. Um, Hey, you're coming off a big win at South Carolina. I know I've I've watched the Gamecocks. uh, They're middle of the pack to lower. Uh, But still, road wins, wins in the SEC are always very, very important. Uh, A&M showed flashes uh, of being a really good team earlier this year, but Buzz and them have fallen off just a little bit. They're no longer ranked. But just kind of size up the Aggies and the Tigers for tomorrow night. Well, this is a team that has performed very well against Auburn in, in years past. As a matter of fact, um, A&M is 3-1 and one against Auburn under Buzz Williams, and they're 13-6 overall against Auburn. So wow. this is a team that Auburn traditionally – has had trouble with, and this is a good Texas A&M ball club. You know, they they struggled a little bit in their non-conference schedule, but they've been a lot better since the start of SEC play. They're five and one. Auburn is six and one, and you know Auburn split with A&M a year ago, beat A&M here, but then lost to A&M in the first round of or Auburn's first game of the SEC tournament. And it's an A&M team that plays extraordinary defense. They're the second best defensive team in the Southeastern Conference. They shoot a lot of free throws. And Auburn gets them twice. You you look at the schedule, guys, and it gets a lot tougher for Auburn now because Auburn still has Texas A&M twice, Alabama twice, and Tennessee twice before the end of the regular season. Whoa. Man, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, the, the top three teams in the league, other than Auburn right now, Auburn plays them all twice before now in the end of uh, – the regular season in the Southeastern Conference. Wow, that that could be pivotal. Well, what would you say their yeah. strengths? <laughs> yeah, what would you say their strengths and weaknesses are this year? With regard to Auburn, Christian? Yes, Auburn basketball. Yeah, Auburn uh, defense is is is. I mean, tomorrow night's game may not be real pretty, but it's going to be a defensive masterpiece. And Auburn's defense has been its most consistent part all season. Offensively. At times, Auburn has been rather inconsistent shooting the basketball. It does not have a Javari Smith to, to go to, that, that go-to guy that it had a year ago. Now, Auburn comes off of a game where it shot 50%, which is Auburn's best shooting percentage in SEC play this past Saturday at South Carolina. But without question, Auburn's defense has been its calling card this season. And Auburn's holding opponents to 62.6 points a game. A&M's holding opponents to 66.6 points per game. And uh, in, in SEC play, A&M's holding opponents to just under 61 points a ball game. I would not expect this to be a high-scoring game tomorrow night at Neville Marina. But without question, defense has been Auburn's calling card this season. You know, uh, I love those games. I bet you too, Andy. It just reminds me of the the beating and the pounding of the uh, old old school SEC teams. Uh, one of the players I love to watch, and I'm certainly not alone. And and I will also say that it's my grandson's favorite player. But Wendell Green does does Auburn yeah. run through him? There are other go to guys, Absolutely. but man, he's a delight to watch play basketball. 
especially since the start of Southeastern Conference play, as Wendell Green goes, Auburn goes this season. He's 5'11-ish. He's typically the smallest player on the floor, and yet he is Auburn's leading scorer at just under 14 points a game. He's averaging three and a half rebounds a game, and in SEC play, he's averaging 5.1 assists per game. And, oh, by the way, in spite of the fact that he's five foot eleven, he leads the Southeastern Conference with 92 free throws made this season. So he's getting to the rim and is getting fouled going to the rim and shooting 84%, by the way, from the free throw line when he gets to, to the line. So, yeah, he's, to me, he is the heart and soul of this team this season. In the one game that Auburn lost in SEC play, Wendell was ineffective, and that was the game at Georgia. Ever since then, though, he has responded and has been extraordinarily strong for this Auburn team. Look at what he did Saturday. Uh, a double-double at South Carolina, which was yeah. double-digit points and I think 12 assists. And he was a master uh, with his assists this past week at, at South Carolina. He was, he was the engine for this Auburn team and has been for this Auburn team all season long. Andy, I know you cover Auburn basketball, but I just want to get your thoughts on Alabama basketball if you've been able to watch them and and just you know tell us what you've seen from them and, and your thoughts on the job that Nate Oates is doing with them this season. It's 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 the it's the team that has I think distanced itself from the rest of the Southeastern Conference right now. At one time we would say that about Tennessee. I think Tennessee is very good. I think Alabama is clearly the best team in the league. Right now, hard to say that they're not at this point. They're undefeated in SEC play. They're beating teams, and they're beating teams handily in SEC play. And they, they have height. They have their, their physical. They seem to be a very deep team this season. I wouldn't be at all surprised that by the time Auburn faces Alabama for the first time, and the first time that the two teams face or face off is Saturday, February 11th here at, at Neville Arena in a one o'clock game on a Saturday afternoon. Good luck getting tickets for that one, by the way. <laughs> I wouldn't be at all surprised if that Alabama team isn't the number one team in the country coming in. And then Auburn goes to Alabama in Auburn's final road game in the SEC on March 1st. And I think those two games will be all out wars. Um, both of these teams are really good. Alabama is extraordinarily good right now. Uh, I, I'm not sure you can brag enough about what Alabama has done this season. But we're also getting to that time of SEC play when, you know, it, it becomes a grind. I'm not saying that this Alabama team will falter. I'm not saying that at all. But this is the tough part of the schedule. It certainly is the tough part of the schedule coming up for Auburn. I don't believe they'll be able to keep the lid on Neville Arena. Uh, that game will just explode. And Neville Arena is so intimidating for opponents that, um, you know, that that will neutralize a lot of Alabama's talent. Um, is it hard to broadcast a game in there? No. No, it isn't. Um, and and I, I can't speak for the, the guys coming in, like Andrew Monaco, this, this tomorrow night or when Chris Stewart comes here on February 11th, and they've moved the visiting radio crews next to the bench now. They're, they're opposite us. We are right in front of the jungle. 
from time to time, I will feel a shaker on top of my head during a ball game. Um, and <laughs> Good. It's, it's invigorating for me to broadcast in front of that. For 31 years, I did Auburn women's basketball and loved every minute of it and was part of outstanding programs, but never broadcast in front of home crowds like we see now. And it is, and there are times where I will take my headset off just to hear how loud it gets in this arena. But no, it, it not, it's not tough for me. I, I feed off of it. I love it. Andy, I, I want to ask you in, in terms of, of covering Auburn, you know, Bruce Pearl's been there a while. Do you think he, he's the guy long-term just to, to stick around and, and, you know, maybe, you know, he just really be their trademark for a while? Or do you think at some point they might start looking elsewhere? Well, I mean, he basically signed a lifetime contract last year, just mm-hmm. about this time. Uh, and so I think Bruce Pearl is here as long as he wants to be the basketball coach at Auburn. And he's 62 years old right now in his ninth season at Auburn. Auburn's never had the success that it's had under as, as they've had under Bruce Pearl with two SEC regular season championships, an SEC tournament championship, and the school's first and only trip thus far to the final four. So uh, I, I think VP is here as long as he wants to be Auburn's head coach. And uh, I'm not sure when that, when that will be, but he, the contract that he signed last year uh, basically keeps him at Auburn as I would think for, for the rest of his career. Andy, before we let you go, got to talk a little bit about Hugh Freeze. Uh, what has your, been yeah. your experience personally around him so far? Uh, man, he, he got Auburn up like 40 places in recruiting in just a short amount of time and has made excellent use, as we can see so far, of the transfer portal. Uh, what, is, what does Andy Burcham think about Hugh Freeze? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. I have spent a total of 20 minutes with Hugh Freeze, and it was immediately following his press conference at Auburn. And we sat down for a, an, an interview that was put out at AuburnTigers.com, and I, I used it for my podcast. That's the 20 minutes that I have spent with Hugh Freeze, personally. But goodness gracious, I mean, since that moment, and maybe even before the moment of that press conference, he has set the recruiting trail, and he has formed his staff at Auburn, and he kept two guys uh, from from the staff before, uh, Zach Etheridge and, and Carnell Williams. So everybody else is new to the staff, but I mean, look at, look at what he's done. And we all knew that the transfer portal would, would be vitally important immediately for this Auburn team, but he has also done a good job of, of, of going into the high schools. And, you know, you see the pictures of, of, of Hugh and his staff um, at the various high schools in, in Alabama, Georgia, Florida, wherever um, he, he knew that these, these first weeks as head coach would have to be, other than getting a staff together, hitting the recruiting trail. And you look, this will be one of the top one or two transfer portal classes in the country, and it was desperately needed at Auburn. And it's a top 15 class now, uh, and it was off the radar before Hugh Freeze came in. So, listen, will it will it pan out for Auburn? Well, we'll find out. But uh, I think I think you got to be impressed with what he has done in his first few weeks as Auburn's head coach. And it leads into then, I think, one of the most important spring practices at Auburn in a long, long time.
It may be the most important since Pat Dye came to town. Uh, I really think you nailed it with that one. Andy, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. I know you'll have a, a great broadcast tomorrow night from Auburn against Texas A&M, and we will chat a little bit later on in the basketball season. Thank you again, Andy. Thanks, Andy. My pleasure, guys. Hope you have a great day. Thank you. Yep. Uh, thank you, Andy. All right. <clears throat> Let's go to the NFL when we get back. I don't know if you have read the article or actually heard the video, but um, Tom Brady got very testy on a podcast with uh, renowned journalist Jim Gray. Um, you'll hear it, what, well, what we can play of it when we get back and get into a little Brady in the NFL discussion on Big Noon Sports. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Score! Road tripping, business travel, or bringing your car in for repairs. All great reasons to rent a Toyota at Tuscaloosa Toyota. You can After midnight, winds could gust as high as 40 miles per hour at times. Tomorrow, rain ending early in the day, the high at 56. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 54 degrees in Tuscaloosa. everybody guessing uh, you've said you'll take your time do you have any type of a timetable as to what you might want to do uh regarding your football career jim if i knew what i was gonna do i'd have already done it okay i'm taking it a day at a time i sense you're antagonized by the question <laughs> you're scratching it's only like the question scratching. that everybody wants to hear you're scratchy <laughs> i appreciate your asking thank you Well, uh, note to media, note to self, might want to hold back on the Brady retirement quotes, uh, questions. I do want to say one thing real quick, and um, we bleeped, the, the language was bleeped out. Uh, I apologize if it wasn't bleeped out enough for some of you. I'll, I will say that right now. I will also say this, okay, and whether or not it matters to you is totally your decision. It was also from a podcast, and while I would certainly not use that type of language in any setting, um, podcasts are different than what we are in what we call OTA, which is over-the-air broadcast, television and radio that you listen to in your car and you watch at home. So um, although television with cable, you can just about do and say anything now. But radio is different, um, and I just want to make sure that you folks know uh, that podcasts are different, and I don't know if allowable, maybe that's the best term for it, it's allowable to use that type of language. Um, Lars and I do a podcast. Uh, Christian Miller and his father, Corey, do a podcast. But um, I don't know about y'all, but we don't, we don't use that kind of language. But anyway, I, what, what my point is... I was about to say, um, I, I try not to, Chris, Matt, but uh, when, when you play football for a while and you're in some of those meetings and locker rooms, it, uh, it's inevitable that they, you know, they slip out here and there, but try my best not to. <laughs> but as you can no, imagine, I've, I understand. I've heard my fair share 
Um, just go listen to some of Kirby Smart and those guys' <laughs> pregame speeches. <laughs> yeah, there's no filter. Um, no. Uh, there is no filter whatsoever. But what do you think? Um, we've discussed it like a week or so ago after they lost their final game of the season. Um, where do you see Tom Brady in, in six months or so? He's going to have to make a decision here. and. You know, there'll be a trade. I don't know his contract's up, all, how all that works out. Let me just stop babbling and ask you, where do you think Tom Brady will be next year? You know, Matt, I, I really believe that he's going to play another year. Um, if I'm being honest with you, I think he's just conflicted because if you listen to his press conference, uh, it, it sounds like he didn't necessarily plan on returning to Tampa Bay. Um but again, I think he really does want to play, especially the way this season ended. I think he feels like there's still some left on the table. And um, I think he's a little conflicted at the at the fact that you know, with his age, you know, trying to join a new team, you know, being in a whole other environment, new players, new coaches. And, you know, he has a, a, a family. He's got children. So, you know, probably trying to, you know, figure out, hey, if I do go play somewhere else, you know, him and his wife, unfortunately, you know, going through divorce or just got divorced. So it might be an issue trying to, you know, relocate his kids or how he'll be able to see his kids. Um, so it sounds like I think that's why he's a little animated when people ask him that, because he, he, he truthfully doesn't know. I think he's weighing so many different things right now um, between, you know, football and, and his you know personal life um, that he just doesn't know. And I think he's very conflicted internally right now. Um, but if you had to ask me. You know, I I think he should just hang it up. I think he's he's proven enough. Again, I mean, this guy is arguably the greatest football player ever. Definitely, I feel like the greatest quarterback ever. At least the most accomplished quarterback. Um, I mean, seven times Super Bowl champion. You know, I mean, I could read the list of accolades, but it probably would go for the entirety of the show. Um, but you know if you look at him and his competitive nature i just i i truly believe he wants to play another season is that the right decision i don't know but i i strongly feel that he wants to and um i'm i'm very confident that we see him in the nfl again because you think about it you know i feel like he does my dad had mentioned this on our podcast miller's edge on youtube you think tom's one of those guys where he's probably going to want to you know do his little his last call, kind of make his rounds, let everybody see him for the last time. We didn't see that this past season. You know, I didn't, we didn't see that one bit, it felt like. So I think he wants to run it back at least one more time. You know, I agree with everything that you say, um, but I, I do wonder. Um, now, you know, he had problems with their line, and they, he didn't have the greatest wide receivers again. Um, but I just – don't know if he's going to have what he got. Can he get any further than he did last year? My answer to that is no. Can he damage his reputation? I think so. And I, I, I hope he thinks about that. But when you're as competitive as this guy is, I don't, <laughs> I don't think he, he's not going out thinking he's going to have an 8-8 eight and eight season. Well, what is it now? 8-9. and nine. He's going out thinking he's going to win 13 games and win an – Yet another Super Bowl. So that's his, just, just his mindset. Now, talking NFL quarterbacks with some serious aids, let's move to Aaron Rodgers. There are, I guess, rumors at best at this particular time that he might end up with the New York Jets. I don't know if you've heard that or not, 
Uh, I think Rodgers, if he's going to step away, step away as a Packer. Of course, that didn't stop Brett Favre from playing for two more different teams. But um, can you see Aaron Rodgers in a New York Jets uniform? They certainly need a quarterback. Yeah, they do. It sounds like they're they're not too pleased with Zach Wilson. I think it's more of a, a maturity thing with him. Um, it just it appears that even the locker room isn't too pleased with him. I think just um, you know, and, and again, I'm not in that locker room. I'm just speculating on what I've read. But uh, supposedly, um, he, he's just a little immature and and not not too many guys are very fond of him in the organization. It sounds like so. I think a guy like Aaron Rodgers could definitely, um, you know, improve that that Jets team. You know, they have one of the best defenses in the National Football League this past season, and I feel like they really were just kind of missing a quarterback. You know, they had some young guys step up at running back, um, and 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 they 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 looked like a pretty decent team this past season. And I feel like you add Aaron Rodgers to, to that mix, and I think they 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 increased tremendously um, in terms of their. Um, ability to to you know play further along and make playoffs and and, and make a run. So uh, I think it's just a matter of getting it done. Um, so I, I guess we will have to wait and see how that you know turns out. But you know I, I think it it'd be a good addition for the Jets for sure. And if that's something Aaron Rodgers is interested in, um, I could see it working out. Uh, does that mean they're going to the Super Bowl? I wouldn't say that much, but I think it definitely um, helps their case in terms of making a playoff run. They were definitely much better than they were a year ago, and you could say the same thing with the other New York team, that being the Giants, although they flat out got it handed to them this past weekend. This weekend, by the way, um, if you haven't been keeping up, it'll be San Francisco at Philadelphia and Cincinnati at the Kansas City Chiefs. Those are your two NFL conference championship games, and then we'll skip a week and go on to the Super Bowl. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. When we come back, we'll talk some Alabama football with uh, a definite lean towards recruiting with Bama Insider's Andrew Bone. That is coming up on Big Noon Sports. This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian. Meet Joe A. Hi. Joe B. Hello. And Joe C. What's up? Three everyday Joes perfecting their banking with Chase. Joe A. is locking his lost debit card with the Chase mobile app. Joe B. Really doesn't need much of an introduction, especially when you've got bad to the bone coming up. Andrew Bone from Bama Insider on three joins us now to talk about everything Alabama football. Andrew, um, how are you, man? Things going good in your life? How's your little How's your little child? Oh, he's doing good. How y'all doing? Oh man, uh, a little chilly, but uh, man, life's good. Uh, I'm here. Christian Miller is here. Lars is taking a day off. Uh, so let's let's jump right into it. Um, you have, and by the way, subscribe and read Bama Insider on three. Andrew is a major contributor there, and if you want to know about Alabama football, particularly with a slant towards recruiting, that's where you need to go. Um, upcoming is Junior Day. I just want kind of a, an explanation. Uh, what is Junior Day? What is it, and what is its goal? <laughs> Well, the goal is to, uh, to obviously get kids to campus and, uh, you know, get a chance to, you know, meet with them, meet with their families, kind of explain the recruiting process a little bit. It, you know, it's nothing really 
you know, not really a major event. Um, I would say back 10 years ago, it used to be major events because you used to see a lot of commitments happen during junior days and stuff like that. People would, uh, you know, go ahead and try to wrap up half their recruiting class just, you know, from a junior day. But now it's more so, you know, get kids on campus, visit with them, educate them a little bit, you know, not only about the school, but, you know, NIL, uh, academics, you know, the requirements, stuff like that. You get a chance to meet with the coaches, you meet with meet with the players. Uh, you know, you get a chance to meet, you know, a lot of the uh, guys who are already on campus and, you know, coaches, uh, whether that's position coaches, uh, off the field coaches, um, you know, training staff, medical staff, nutrition staff, um, and obviously strength and conditioning staff get a chance to uh, kind of see what, you know, what, what the program's all about in that regard. So, I also think, you know, you want to get guys on campus that you haven't seen before, guys that maybe you've evaluated from, uh, you know, a highlight film. You know, maybe an assistant coach went out and saw you play during your junior season, but you get a chance to come to campus and meet with Coach Saban, you know, probably for the first time uh, for many of these kids. Um, but you also get a chance to get an accurate height and weight because you've been hearing about, you know, how tall or how big these guys are. Uh, from their coaches or from them. Yeah, coach, I'm six foot, you know, five, you know, 225 pounds. You get to campus and they might actually be six foot two, 210 pounds. So yeah. you really want to get a chance to uh, to get those accurate uh, measurements and then kind of get a feeling on, are you going to be a guy that we're going to continue to evaluate, continue to recruit? Are we going to spend a lot of effort um, you know, taking the time to travel to your high school, spend time talking to your coaches. And, um, you know, a lot of times you go and you see these kids and you, you're thinking, hey, this is certainly a guy that, you know, we're interested in, but you got to see him a little bit more. And so, so that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the process with it. Um, it's more about just developing these relationships, you know, really t- trying to determine are you going to continue uh, recruiting these guys, or are you going to continue to look elsewhere? And, you know, things are going to change throughout the spring, throughout the summer, you know, as you go out and do your spring evaluations, as kids come to campus and work out in summer camp. Alabama currently has five commitments. That's a lot of commitments, um, you know, if you're looking at the last two recruiting cycles, because there was only maybe two, three commitments heading into May. Uh, they've jumped out of the gate a little bit earlier this year, got a lot of commitments, but I don't think that's necessarily, uh, you know, going to be the route that we're going to see. We're not going to see 10, 12 commitments heading into the, heading into May. It's still probably going to be under double digits because Alabama is not just going to take everybody. You're still trying to, you know, get some assistant coaches in, you know, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator. You want those guys to come in, be able to evaluate, all the different players that might be high on the recruiting board already, but you want them to also make uh, the decisions as well. So there's a lot that kind of goes on through that. And you know, one of the biggest things that people keep asking me uh, online is, you know, is it really affecting recruiting that much, not having an offense coordinator or defense coordinator in place? And I, you know, with Alabama, you know, it may be different with other schools, but with Alabama, at the end of the day, most of these kids, you know, they're worried about Coach Saban. They're worried about, you know, the Alabama program overall in general. Obviously, they want to know that there's an offense coordinator and defense coordinator there, but 
most of the guys that we talk to, they all say, you know, listen, we've seen this many, many times before at Alabama, and Coach Saban typically brings in a great offense coordinator, a great defense coordinator. He's going to have, you know, plans in place. Um, so you just got to trust them. So not really a big concern not having these guys there because it's not like, you know, if we were in January and there were still five or six guys making decisions in this 2023 class, maybe it's a concern. But they wrapped up their recruiting class last month in December. Obviously, Cormani McLean is one of the few guys that we were still kind of watching, but he committed to uh, to Colorado last week. I don't think coordinator really made a difference in uh, in that recruitment at all. But um, yeah, I, I don't think there's really much of a concern right now as far as not having you know somebody there in place, especially with these juniors, because you know, you're going to be recruiting these guys for you know the next several months. Um, you know, it's plenty of time to develop relationships and uh, and meet with the new staff once they get put in place. You took the words out of my mouth, Andrew. I was just about to ask you about um, this upcoming signing day, which originally was the only signing day for a while. But um, it, are there any guys out there left to even keep an eye on for this upcoming signing day on February first, or is it um, like you just had mentioned? Maybe the the you know the this recruiting class is pretty much finished; is is wrapped up already. Um, should fans be on the lookout for anybody come February first? Yeah, I think once we got through the early signing period you're always kind of you know looking out to see who might still be available and there's still a few guys that Alabama's talked to in the past Deuce Robinson five-star tight end out of Arizona took official visit to Alabama uh, back in the fall he's he's still available but I would be very very shocked if he ended up at Alabama Um, you know a lot of people have asked you know, now that Cormani has decided and, you know, is going to Colorado, and I don't expect Alabama to continue rec- recruiting him at all, you know, will Alabama go after another cornerback? And I don't think there's really anybody out there that they're interested in. And we talked about this back in the fall that Alabama's probably going to, you know, at least going to try to sign two more corners in their class. But it was more so the talent that was out there with Damari Brown, with Cormani McLean, with Desmond Ricks. Those were three guys. We said, you know, Alabama can get two of those three. They would be extremely excited, but they would be really excited if they could at least just get one of them. They got one of them. They didn't get two. But there's just not really anybody out there that's, you know, really on their uh, on their level that I think Alabama's, you know, would like to waste a scholarship on uh, at this time. So I think as of right now, pretty much finished with this 2023 class would be very surprised if they take anybody else focus kind of has completely shifted to 2024 they brought in a couple uh transfers not sure if they're gonna you know add anybody else from the transfer portal we're obviously still keeping our eyes open uh in that regard and in we might see potentially a new addition you know later on this spring you know once spring practice gets under wraps i think you know there is that time period in in may where where players can transfer uh in and out so we'll see if you know there's potentially any uh any news then but you know as of right now it certainly looks like the complete focus is on that 2024 uh recruiting class and obviously there's uh you know there's a lot of big names that are out there that they're going after that they're going out visiting we've seen a lot of scholarship offers that have been extended i think you know i counted it the other day there's like 30 plus offers that have been extended over the course of the last 
two weeks by the Alabama coaching staff. And that's not just 2024, that's 2024, 2025, even some 2026 guys. But a lot of these offers are more so uh, we want you to come to camp. We, we want to get you on campus. We like you. We've, you know, we've been impressed with what we've seen on, on film. We've talked to your coaches. We've talked to some teachers. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is an offer, but it's contingent on you coming to camp, working out, meeting with Coach Saban, and then, uh, you know, then a final decision is kind of made after that. But uh, they've been pretty busy, pretty active uh, on the recruiting trail. We've seen uh, Coach Saban out there. Um, Flying in helicopters, going to different places. He's been in, you know, California. He's been in South Florida. He's he was in the uh, uh, DMV area yesterday, DC, Maryland, Virginia area. Uh, so he's you know traveling all over the country, trying to see as many um, you know high schools and meet with as many co- high school coaches as uh, as possible. These uh, in, in this final week before the de- dead period hits. Let's revisit the portal real quick. Um, is there an area position wise that, uh, Alabama would light up if they saw a certain player come up in the portal? <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, if there's a quarterback that hops in there, I mean, but it's got to be somebody pretty special. I mean, you know, we talked about, oh, what's his name? Drake may up in North Carolina. If somebody like him, and yeah. I'm not saying he's get, jumping in the portal, but if somebody like him were to enter the portal, I think, you know, they would entertain that and, and potentially try to bring him in for a visit. There wasn't any quarterbacks. You know, we saw a lot of big name quarterbacks that entered the portal uh, over the course of the last month, but there was really nobody that Alabama, you know, had much interest in, or you know, probably even believed that you know were better than the guys who are uh, currently on campus. So you know, there was no interest there. Uh, I think you know, offensive line certainly an area that. Um, there's not a lot of numbers. I think I can't remember what the exact number was, but it seemed like there was maybe 12 total scholarship offensive linemen a, a week or two ago. I don't know if they're necessarily, you know, looking at it as, you know, there's it's a priority to go after an, an offensive lineman. I think if there's somebody that enters that you know could come in and potentially help, you know, kind of like we saw with Tyler Steen uh, this past year, they would go after him. But I don't think there's been anybody that has, you know really intrigue them uh, to this point. I think, you know, maybe once we get through spring practice, maybe it happens then. But as of right now, I don't see anything else happening. And I think it's, uh, as of right now, it's pretty quiet on the uh, on the portal front. You know, they added two with uh, CJ to three and Tresden Marshall. And as of right now, probably the only, the only two that they're going to have. Andrew, tell everybody how they can follow and find you. Go to BamaInsider.com. We're part of the On3 Sports Network. Uh, you can sign up now for $29.99. It uh, gets you through August. So, uh, so check us out on BamaInsider.com and also follow me on Twitter uh, at Andrew, the letter J, phone. Both good reads. Subscribe. Thank you, Andrew. We'll talk to you in a week or so. Thank you, gentlemen. See ya. All right. Andrew Bone joins us. Bama Insider. And on three sports. Appreciate that. Uh, when we get back, let's wrap up this edition of um, <laughs> Big Ten Sports. It's been one of those days inside my head. <laughs> glad, be glad you're not with me. <laughs> this is the Big Noon Sports Network. 
Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yep, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now, but I really enjoy it. After midnight, winds could gust as high as 40 miles per hour at times. Tomorrow, rain ending early in the day, the high at 56. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 55 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports. Appreciate all of you dialing us in today. As uh, Christian Miller and Matt Coulter with you hosting. Lars taking a day off. Um, Christian just texted me a picture of Joey Bosa and um, the fines that he has uh, accumulated. Did I get this right? 29785 How they come up with these arbitrary numbers, I'll, ne- I'll never know. <laughs> uh, there must be some formula. Thirteen thousand two hundred sixty-one. Then I, I think twenty-five hundred was here recently. Total fines fifty-five thousand five hundred and forty-six. Hey Christian, I don't believe you ever got one. Who pays those? The team or the individual player? Uh, I definitely got one um, <laughs> for roughing the passer on Jared Stidham. Uh, I got a fine for almost twenty thousand dollars sitting on my locker the next uh, week. Um, and really? the players pay that. It's not the club. It comes directly out of your check. Um, yeah, and that's it comes out of your check uh, pre-taxes, I believe. Or I can't remember exactly how it works. But the way it, it's, man, it's brutal. Uh, luckily, you can um, you can challenge it. You get on a call, and you have like a, a, little, a little meeting, and there's a mediator involved. And basically, they, they hear your case, and they, they ultimately decide if um, – I don't think they ever throw the the, the fine out. I, I think they always just lower it. So basically, mine got lower right. from fifteen to twenty thousand dollars to two thousand um, dollars. The only good thing about these fines, honestly, um, is that the money doesn't go to the NFL. It actually goes to charities um, as well right. as you know, you know, assisting former players. Um, so that that's that's the the, the positive of these fines but they're they're just ridiculous and it oh man it's it's not a good feeling man when you when you again <laughs> that's just a lot of money when you when you show up to your locker and you have a letter you, you already know if you get a penalty in a game you you know more than likely if you see a letter on your on your locker chair you're getting fined and more than likely you open that up it's going to be upwards of ten thousand dollars i uh was totally unaware and I'm sorry that's the last two or three minutes of the show because I've got a lot of questions concerning that. <laughs> I did know that it goes to NFL players and uh, it, it went to charity, so uh, that might lighten the blow just a little bit. But yeah, so any if it was linebacker, a cheaper, sure, that, if it was a little cheaper, yeah. But yeah, man, come on, ten ten thousand. <laughs> Unreal. I'm, I'm all for that, and that was so, just for a, a late hit. They, well, my mind they, they called that, it roughing the passer, but what's crazy was I wish. Right. I try to send you the clip. They said I put my body weight, like I I leaned into him with the hit. They basically said like I I forcefully put like drove him into the ground. I was just in my head making a normal tackle. I'm trying to get the guy on the ground. I don't want him to complete the pass. But they said that I guess I drove him into the ground, 
And uh, I got to argue that. I got, uh, as a matter of fact, I think it was Derek Brooks who I was speaking with. He was in charge of my case. And I, I told him, I'm like, look, man, I mean, as a defender, you know, I'm just making a form tackle. I hit him, hit him low. Um, I didn't try to do anything out of malice. I said, I just wanted to, you know, make a form tackle, get him on the ground clean. And um, supposedly they said the way my feet went up in the air, it was as if I was intentionally driving my shoulder into him forcefully. I don't know, but. I guess they settled with me for like $2,000, which still wasn't fun um, because this actually was in the preseason. No. I didn't even know you could get fined during the preseason because you, you got to understand, guys, we don't get we don't, you don't get paid until, you know, the, the, the regular season starts. I mean, you get, you know, uh, like stipends for, for training camp. Um, and fortunately, I was a draft pick. So I got uh, so my signing bonus, which is also split. So I didn't even get the entirety of that. But um, if you're an undrafted guy. You don't have much money. I mean, your signing bonus might be like fifteen thousand dollars, and you take taxes out of that. You might have six or seven k um, net, and then next thing you know, you're having to pay for expenses and stuff. So you don't even have much money. So how do you think those guys feel getting a fine for fifteen thousand dollars? They don't even have it. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Is 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 every personal foul reviewed? I I'd have to look into that, but any any time if, if if you get a rough in the passer, unsportsmanlike, all those I think are subject to fines. I think those are just automatically um, result in a fine. Uh, now, obviously, you know, you jump off sides is not a fine, but anything that you right. know, rough in the passer, uh, unsportsmanlike conduct, targeting, late hit, uh, those those uh, flags of that nature. So a lot of those incidents that we see on television, just as as an NFL viewer might get fined and nobody knows about it oh definitely oh yeah and again if you if a guy does a late hit any of those kind of penalties you see those guys are are without a doubt 100 percent having a letter sitting in their locker uh come that monday or tuesday and uh yeah again you can always appeal it you can call um speak with the arbitrator to discuss that try to uh argue your case um but for instance looking at joey bosa's you know the the public criticism that they're probably not going to change that that he's paying that twelve five on sportsmanlike conduct I can't remember exactly which one that one there's two different ones one's for thirty thousand dollars the other one's for thirteen thousand they might settle a little bit on those but he's going to pay at least thirty thousand dollars <laughs> at least wow oh yeah and that's coming directly oh. out of his game check he can't you can't he can't do anything about it they deduct that from his check so he doesn't have to necessarily pay it. they just the team deducts it automatically they're forced to. Hey, I want to uh, dig deeper into this tomorrow, but uh, that's why we have another show tomorrow at noon until 2. Uh, join us again. Hey, quickly, 20 seconds. Did Stidham say anything? No, we were good. I, I mean, this football, he's just saying because we just got done playing in the Iron, uh, the Iron Bowl a few months prior and we were playing against each other yeah. in New England, so it's cool. Uh, that's crazy. Hey, everyone, have a blessed afternoon, and we'll talk to you, as I just said, tomorrow at noon. Has the pandemic affected your business? Even with more and more customers going online in the past five years, online business has grown greatly due to the pandemic. Now more than ever, it's important to have a 